Welcome to Chats Under the Rain Tree, where we explore spiritual and metaphysical topics to help us navigate the modern world. This is our first podcast episode. My name is Eugenia. I am a traditional healer, holistic wellness practitioner, and spiritual seeker. And I am here with one of my good friends and teachers and guides, an amazing woman who has impacted me in so many ways, uh, Tahira, Ia Tahira. And this is our first episode, so we're just going to jump right in and talk about the spiritual journey, and maybe if we get to it, we'll touch upon the meaning of life. (laughs) (laughs) So grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or a big glass of water and settle down and join us. So Tahira, welcome. Thank you for creating this with me. Um, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself. Well, I am really excited. I think we, I dream about doing this and and finding a platform, especially for our journey today and navigating our place in the world. Uh, So anyway, backing up, I am Ia Tahira, uh, a initiated priestess and a shamanic practitioner and healer. So I am so excited to see what we can bring forth and navigate our way through this time period, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so how did you begin your spiritual journey? What led you to this path? Hmm, that's a big question. I know. That's a big question. The people what, are asking big what questions. What led you to this place? I, You know, one, I could be trite and say we're always on a spiritual journey, but that would be like still leave us out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, coming, going through different changes and having different experiences in my life <clears throat> without going back into my overall history, which I think will eventually evolve and come up in conversation. Uh, I was part of the civil rights era. Um, so I went through that and uh, eventually I went, I also was a, went to college, studied anthropology, studied diff- uh, psychology and different modalities uh, and uh, disciplines during my college years. Graduated with a um, BA in, um, in anthropology, social culture anthropology, and went into modern entity, uh, the modern world, and I held a uh, job in human service for almost 30 years. Um, went in the, in the time that um, that we had childrens coming onto the planet. I think they eventually called them the indigo children. They were the children that um, that was attention deficit disorder, and uh, and it just seemed to me that the world was had gone crazy. It really wasn't doing anything to to change dynamics, and I saw too much suffering. I didn't feel that I was being a I could have any impact on what I was seeing in the world from where I stood, and that most of the things that I talked about I had experienced during the civil rights era was a lot about the system that I was in. To understand something about that system and and one part of me wanted to believe that that yes we made a difference because as a as a as a uh, African American uh, 
person, we, we accomplished voters' rights and all of that, but something still was wrong with the world. And so I felt a strong call to to sort of um, seek out more spiritual. I was always intrigued by the uh, the metaphysical, or the unknown, or the other world. I always said I was coded, I was courted by the mystery all my life. And so I felt a more of a pull seeking that. And I just remember going into a bookstore, and the first book that fell, it fell off the shelf in front of me, Maladoma Somme. Maladoma Somme. Maladoma Somme. But I didn't go towards Maladoma Somme. I went towards another part of the indigenous culture and spirituality in uh, West African uh, tradition. Uh, I knew some people who were a was priests and dealing with Ifa, and so I went through the door of Ifa. Ifa. Would you Ifa. spell that? Ifa, I-F-A, okay. is a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And people use to say Yoruba practice, but it's not Yoruba is a people. But underneath that is the spirituality, is the metaphysiology of the cosmology, which is Ifa. Mm -hmm. And so I was initiated in Ifa. Uh, eventually, I, I went out and I asked, I was initiated in 1995. I was initiated uh, in Ifa, and that's when my life began to really take on meaning and, and really uh, move me in a way where I was seeking out those more um, more teachers in my life. I met Maladoma. Eventually, I did meet Maladoma. I started with Maladoma. And that's what, shamanic called me the deepest because that's a, to me that's the deepest part of that spiritual journey. So it's, it's looking at the world and not, and being sort of feeling helpless and going back, going into that water part of, and seeking that deeper meaning of life. Mm -hmm. I think that was a call. What is the meaning of life? Mm -hmm. And what is this part that we call spiritual? And what I ran into was a whole lot of confusion even around that. So my spiritual life began really with that discontent of wanting to seek to know how, if possible, I could have an impact on the world. A deeper impact than you're already having. Yeah. And how old are you? Because you said you um, At that were point, I was, I was at a good point. It was really in my, I was 54 years of age. 54 years. Yeah, I was 54 years of age. And eventually I resigned from uh, my human, in fact, I gave um, notice and resigned in 1994 before I began my spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And from then on, I just, that's been my walk and my spiritual journey led me in different uh, levels of initiation. Um, eventually I was initiated. I, I felt that there needed to be a deeper voice of, of wisdom on the planet. And so I initiated into elderhood in, in my 60s. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that account of your personal growth. Um, one of the questions that, this is something that I personally deal with and this, this came up. And thank you, by the way, to everybody who posted questions um, because we did just structure an awesome outline for the next several podcasts based off of your questions. But one of the questions that came up that's something that I've definitely struggled with is how do you know you're on the right path? Because for a lot of people when they start 
I mean, everybody kind of questions the meaning of life at some point, but when people really start engaging with that question and working for it or working on it and dissecting everything that they know about life, there's a lot of um, self-doubt because usually those, those thoughts counteract mainstream thoughts. And mm -hmm. so I think for the beginning of most people's spiritual paths, they run into just just doubting whether they're asking the right questions, maybe doubting, maybe even as deep as doubting their place in the world. I know that's mm -hmm. definitely something I dealt with. So how did you navigate the moments of doubt and the moments of confusion and where did you find signs and, and just the focus to know that you're doing the right thing and the, just feeling it, feeling that it's... I don't know that you, I don't know that it's about a right, doing the right thing. I mean like the right thing <clears throat> for you, that this was the, the your calling kind of. There's a kind of knowingness and feeling about um, being on that path. It's like you began to, uh, I began to observe people around me and I began writing my family because that's where I returned to. And, and what I acknowledged and, and learned, my family, when they was uncomfortable, they would mimic. Mimic me, and then I started to listen to what that was about, and that was, it showed me that people was uncomfortable with stepping out, or being different, or going, or having someone um, look at the world in a different way, and I think that's what the damage that's been done to us. We're not able to, we talk about spirituality, but we really cannot uh, qualify what it looks like, what it feels like. Mm -hmm. because we don't know what it looks like in the culture that we've been inf influenced by, that has infiltrated our minds and conditioned us to see the world as a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so to me, it's like reconnecting with that, that, that part of me that knew something. I knew some things from early on in my life. I grew up in a place of being connected to nature, being connected to a non-modern uh, uh, culture. So it, it, it had something to pull on, mm -hmm. which is different than most of uh, uh, the younger people, the younger generation now, mm -hmm. today, to recognize what it is to be on the spiritual path. Mm -hmm. And most of what we, if we, if I, what, what define the, what that feels like inside of you, and it's an inter, it's an internal journey. Mm -hmm. It's not an external journey. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not a left brain journey. It's not an intellectual journey. It's a. The intellect is there to to help you, and then you have to drop out of that and allow something else to happen so you can feel and see that that spiritual journey. And it, it's more that in internal journey. So for somebody for whom. <clears throat> the the phrase even going within seems a little bit foreign which again is I feel like it's not something that is even condoned really by modern culture to spend a lot of time going within so a lot of folks they hear the phrase but they're not sure what that actually feels like like what does it mean to tune out of um, the mind and drop down so if we were to kind of unpack that a little bit like that very first step that very first teeny shift out of out of habit out of um, 
the the mainstream flow, for lack of a better term, right now. I think uh, the other thing is, uh, can a person be comfortable with stillness, with being out of that flow? How comfortable am I in turning off my cell phone? Mm-hmm. How comfortable am I just being alone with myself? Mm-hmm. And practicing that, sometimes it takes just like five minutes to test yourself. Five minutes to just test yourself. Turn off everything. I mean, make it ritualistic if you want to, but test yourself. And one of the things that we do with uh, young people then teaching them how to reconnect with that part of themselves, create your sacred space somewhere, maybe outside in nature, and just sit with yourself and see if you can be with yourself. Because a lot of what, um, you know, we talk about spiritual paths or spiritual journeys and how do I get on my spiritual journey? Well, if we step back in time and look that there was a time when young people was initiated to go to a spiritual journey, uh, they would take a vision quest. There's none of that on the planet. So so most of us that was here string and we, we intellectually, we, yet, we have the information. Now, what do I do with the information? I have some of the language, so what do I do with it now? How do I integrate that? And we keep reaching, sometimes we're reaching for more information and we don't need more information. It's how do we integrate now? How do we begin to sit with what we think that feels like? So being with the self without distraction. And what is the self? And what is the self? Well, that could be our next question. So the self, <laughs> what is the self? What is the self? <laughs> You know, because if you define the self, then what is the self? And we say it so easy. You know, people say higher self, the greater self, the, the whatever. But what is the self? And in our early times of initiation, that was one of the biggest questions. It would be one of the first questions you had to sit with to find the self. So that's something that there is no umbrella answer for. What is the self? That's something what that everybody comes to their own understanding. Well, they can come to it, but you got to sit with, what is the self? Do I really know what the self is? I, I am. You know, people do prayers, begging prayer. I am the divine. I am the divinity that all things flow from. If you could get to that, and even that, would get us closer if we could... I am the divinity that I am the maker of my reality. I am the maker of my world. I am the creator of my world. Everything that's around me is something that I, the human, in my human journey, in my human experience, not my soul, my human experience. So here's something that I can kind of hear is a question coming out of this. Um, the idea that we are all divine is something that I think if we go into the way Judeo-Christian religion has influenced modern society, or at least Western society, um, the, pri the primary idea there is that divinity is out there and we are over here mm -hmm. and we are either receiving from divinity or we are praying to divinity right. but it's always over there it's right. always a separation 
So in working with people, I found that um, the idea that we are divine is sometimes uncomfortable for individuals to grasp. Um, how can we move into beginning to accept that when it's so not a part of mainstream culture, but it's also, again, if you turn to certain circles, it's almost um, heresy to say that, or blasphemous to say that. I'm not sure That's the right, right term. So, yeah, so for some folks, I feel like maybe hearing you are divine is almost maybe a trigger. And I'm wondering how we might navigate just that societal trigger mm -hmm. that it's somehow bad to be divine, mm -hmm. that it is somehow bad to think of ourselves as gods and goddesses walking, you know, a, a living earth mm -hmm. that is in herself also a goddess. Mm -hmm. You know, these ideas are thrown out as jokes mm -hmm. um, at best, oftentimes. So, for individuals who are just beginning to chew on the concept of their own divinity, mm -hmm. that they are creators, masters of mm -hmm. their own reality because they are divinity, mm -hmm. what do you see an avenue, what do you see as an avenue into that space becoming palatable and comfortable and a place of empowerment rather than a place of discomfort? Well, I think you got to sit with that space as well, and you got to sit and ask those questions from yourself. Like, what prevents me from accepting my own divinity or my my own I am in charge of this whatever I create in the world? Sitting with that, what's what prevents me? There's a responsibility. There's an act of responsibility. You, we, you, out here allowing that to happen. I have to say that out here. I can always blame something out there. God, why are you letting this happen to me? As opposed to seeing that I may have had some, some active, I may have played a role into what's happening to me. It's easy for me to blame God for doing that. I blame some outside force. So now I want to bring it home and I got to take some responsibility for it. And I know everything in my religious orientation or what even what I call spiritual, maybe, because that's sometimes based in that spiritual, it's that, that, that conditioning, mm -hmm. what is spiritual, mm -hmm. again. So if I have to get rid of that old, that old way I allow myself to be defined, or the way things be def been defined for me, I got to first have some resolve with that. You got to work with that. We don't just jump out of one day, wake up and be spiritual. It's a journey. We don't become spiritual overnight. You know, it's like it said that the soul journey is a continuation of purification. And once we once we get to the point that we understand where we un we know that, then we can begin humble in our in our way of being on the planet. But it's that journey that gets us to that point. It's those stages that we go through. What's the role of self-love in all of this? What is the role of self-love? Um, I would say that, well, first let's define self-love. It's not like a instant gratification kind of self-love. It's that deep, deep commitment to giving yourself what you truly need on the fundamental levels. Right. You know, so everything from taking good care of your body to 
taking care of your mind to taking care of your soul so that's and can being committed to that and recognizing that that in itself is divine because again there's parts of society that will tell you self love is right you know that's bad and you're selfish or whatever but self love is the foundation of um, I think of becoming self-aware like you were saying like the journey through self-love and into self-love is part of becoming self-aware but also as you move forward in the journey of self-awareness and expand and move further down the spiritual path I think self-love is a marker Mm -hmm. it's something that you can always refer back to for strength. Right. If you're confused or if you're right. lost right. or if you just, even if you need to take a break from all of that, right. like it's okay to take breaks from the intense learning aspect of the spiritual path and go within to right. and go within. just be but with it's, yourself it's still spiritual. in a loving way. The whole thing yeah. is like to see, I think when we look at life in terms of, and, and, and I'm, Look at life in terms of this complete, there's a holistic way of living. Mm-hmm. So if I look at the holistic way of living, I can get up in the morning and feel this connection to all of life, right? Mm-hmm. Everything around me. Or either I can get up and feel crazy, like really funky about it and say, oh shit, I got to go to work and mm-hmm. start doing that. But if I just take a minute and breathe and say, oh my God, it feels so good, the air feels so good. I'm so grateful for this morning waking up. And just coming into that day and joining the rest of life as opposed to having it hit you in your face, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. You join. Because all, all of it is life. Whether I had a shitty day or whether I had a good day was all life. Mm-hmm. It's like when I stopped fragmenting myself, when I stopped fragmenting these pieces of life, then I can find more things to celebrate mm-hmm. and they and connect them to what I call spiritual. Mm-hmm. Spiritual is not going to a church, is not you don't always have to set aside a, uh, set in a, a, a um, what is it, uh, yoga position to be mm-hmm. spiritual. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Lotus. Your lotus yeah. position, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like learning that, that, um, that it's interwoven into our life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that's weaved into our life. We weave it into our life, our daily life. I think that when I look at people that, that profess to be spiritual, and it's like we have to be, we change and we, it's like this almost artificial way of being. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you have to be put on any kind of face to be spiritual. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of that and I think that now we, those of us who are coming on the path now, we being more, it, it feels more authentic. Mm-hmm. It feels like we we calling something that we back into place that we 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 lost along the way. As humanity. Yeah, I think we call it, and so it's gonna it will take us time to really fine tune what we call in spiritual. Because mm-hmm. you have the new new age group out there, the new. The, I mean, you have so many pieces out there. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> what you just said about uh, spirituality not being a face that we put on. Right. I've always felt that the spiritual, uh, one way of describing the spiritual path is a losing of faces. 
it's a losing of all these layers of self-definition I like because that. all yeah. these human level kind of right. both both definitions that we put on on ourselves and definitions that were put on us mm -hmm. by the out quote-unquote outside world right. um, they are the things that we move through and dissect to get to our say self with a capital S right. our divine self yeah so it's not about gaining the face or the badge or whatever of right. the spiritual person right but it's rather about moving aside all that is all that you've defined yourself to be in any human way really right. in any societal way I should right. say and move into a deeper understanding of yourself from there by eliminating those layers. That is exactly it because that, those are some of the things you go through in a in a very um, formal initiation. Mm -hmm. And even if I design a vision quest or initiation today, that would be the stages that I would take people through. They would have to practice how to how to let go of those layers. They would have to go through practicing that there's an act of practicing mm -hmm. we don't get to stay on our spiritual path without tending to it mm -hmm. you know we have to take care of our spiritual life take care of our life in a good way feed ourselves well mm -hmm. sit with ourselves take that time and so we i think we've been in a fast such a fast pace in our in our culture, at least since I've been on the planet, I mean since I since the onset of um, industrialization, it just feels like we have just sped up and sped up and sped up, and we have not taken time to sit with ourselves mm -hmm. in a collective way. Mm -hmm. So we're just now getting to the point that we really can sit with this whole question of what is it to be spiritual. Anyway, how does that feel inside for me? What is it to be spiritual? What is it to be an evolved being? All these questions are right down the surface for us today. Mm -hmm. Journaling about this, I don't think I could have gotten anywhere if I wasn't journaling all these years because as you develop a deeper understanding of yourself I feel like you can't keep it all in your head <laughs> like, yeah, and then it's useful uh, for me I'm just a huge proponent of journaling in general so anybody who doesn't journal and you're kind of teetering on the edge of maybe trying it try it um, it's just such a great way to have to have a conversation with yourself and we we are in our monkey mind like in our busy mind right. we're always having like a thousand conversations with ourselves right. so it's not like an out there concept we're always talking with the many personalities in our heads but rarely do we like you said drop out of the mind and into the deeper self into right. the heart space and converse there but writing it out for me personally has been really really helpful especially in the beginning of my seeking days and my question asking so Please consider journaling if you don't. <laughs> and I, I like to say that I began journaling in 1972. Wow. And so now I'm going back and I'm, some of the things that I say today, I really said them then, then wrote them in my journal, mm -hmm. but now they're real. They're like alive. You've embodied them. I embodied that. And without going back, it's there. And I go back and I'm like, wow, I was having this conversation back then. 
and here I am. I I'm here. So my I could say my spiritual journey started back there, but but to put a a label on it, a time frame on it, when I formalized it, is those points when I initiated, or those points when I I teachers came into my life. There was always teachers, but when it formalizes itself, we say okay. But you, when you look at your life and you walk back through those periods and you look at where you've been and you come to this place and you say, wow, I've always been there. You know, it's like if you pay attention to your conversations, mm -hmm. your and, conversations. And, and where you were as a child or what questions you asked, you can say some part of you was already there. There was a knowingness that you had. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the, the act of seeking like the first question like if we want to kind of put a pin in where exactly the spiritual path starts right um it starts at the first question right, right. and even if there's 20 years between the first question and the second question right or the first question and the answer it's that first time you asked that an authentic question, question that arose from within you right. and you and you know it you yeah. go back there you can go back there you can pinpoint it whether you got the right answer at the time. You know, and you know what it triggered for you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's very, triggers. it's very traumatic. If Let, it, yeah, that's a, yeah. Let's talk about triggers because <clears throat> one of the questions was, was what is the role of suffering? Because um, if we take life and creation and existence as an overall positive thing, as a as we do as spiritual people, mm -hmm. um, but there is obviously a role. For or the dark within that mm -hmm. um, and the way we humans experience the dark is usually through some sort of direct trauma or unpleasant experience mm -hmm. uh, so we could definitely have a whole episode on this especially how it relates to family and relationships and whatnot but in kind of a general sense um, if we were to explain the role of suffering mm -hmm. what is it well I don't know that I have a formal definition for suffering. I know the Buddhists say, the Buddhists believe that in order to become a Buddhisattva, we must walk through the doors of suffering. Mm -hmm. And uh, even in um, deep religious evolution, our own deep evolution, when we be, to, that in order to elevate ourselves, we must walk through the doors of darkness, uh, deal with the dark, dark souls of the, the souls of the night, darkness, souls of the dark night. Dark night of the soul. So is that suffering? Or is it the way that what we come through as, in our physical life? Which one is it? I could say I grew up in a place of watching people suffer, but were they suffering? Mm -hmm. So it's a definition, really. It's a definition. So what is suffering? It's one of those things. So sometimes we say, oh, look at that poor suffering. I see suffering in the world, but do I really know what suffering is? So right now, right, we have this whole upheaval and we could say that a lot of people are suffering due to the current global situation. Um, a lot of the panic and fear that is arising 
is because people would prefer not to suffer, myself including. I would prefer not to suffer. Uh, are you suffering? Um, no, no, no. But I mean, in a general sense, you know, on a human level, like when I think about, you know, disease or, you know, pain or something like that, of course, my first reaction is, you know, I don't want to be really sick. I don't want anybody I know to be really sick and watch them go, you know, through a tragic death or anything like right. that. Like these are things that by proxy of me being in the human animal body, I have an immediate um, rejection of those things. Right. Um, so right now there's a strong attachment to those things because they're in our face, which we could jump and say, well, this is a big spiritual opportunity for everybody because mm -hmm. this, this big d uncomfortable thing is right there for us to look at and we can't look away. Right. But there's a lot of attachment around defining these uh, instances and things that are happening as suffering. Mm -hmm. So how could we define them differently right. in a way that doesn't make us feel victimized, but rather makes us, um, offers us an opportunity to feel empowered? I think it takes us back back where we were just asked. It's really an opportunity to sit with ourselves. To ourselves. ask ourselves if we if we in conversation with ourselves around suffering, what is suffering? Am I really suffering? Or am I without the 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 things that I thought made me comfortable? Mm -hmm. Or the things that 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 made life what I consider to be easy? Mm -hmm. Am I really you know, am I do I eat every day? Is that part of uh, do, am I able to put food on the table? Am I able? Do I have shelter? What What makes me suffer? What What is the suffering that I I feel in the world today? What is that suffering? Loss of what? Mm -hmm. My attachments to what? And then I have to ask the question: How was all of those things serving my life? Mm -hmm. And were all of those things serving my life? What? That's the other side of it. Mm -hmm. So it's really you have to look at all of that, the things that we are attached to. Because I feel that sometimes the things that we have in life, as a part, we, it, we don't look at them as things that serve us. We, they, they, um, they don't serve us. We serve them. We're driven by them. We're driven by we them. We're driven by the external things that we have, external world. I don't have a car. I don't have a, my telephone went out, my 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 television not working, my computer is down, my and so we lose it. All the power went off. Are those things you can control? Not in the least bit. <laughs> are you suffering? Or are you creating your suffering? Hmm. Say that again. Are, are you, you suffering? Are you or suffering? Are you creating? Are you creating your, <laughs> your suffering? suffering? That's a really good one. And sitting with it, not just. It's not something to throw out there, but just sit with it. Oh, wow. Let me sit with that for a minute. Mm -hmm. Let me see where I can be more comfortable with where I am right now. Mm -hmm. I, I saw a thing that a man came on the other day, and you might have said it was on Facebook, and his son uh, hung himself. Because of a, a because of a cell phone, it was a he, something 
gadget. It was like he didn't get it or something. But it was like, and this man was on blaming the outside world for his son, the pandemic. This is what the, he didn't die from the pandemic exactly, but this is what happened to my son. Mm -hmm. So responsibility and there's accountability. A accountability. Yeah. We, 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 we have to look around since you brought it to the table, uh, this um, place that we find ourselves today, I think it's an opportunity for us to really, really look deeply at the things that we're attached to and what is the true meaning of our life, our individual life. When we find, if we can work with the individual life, what is the meaning of my individual life? And what do I really, really bring to the planet? What do I really contribute to the planet? Really, really contribute to the planet unconditionally. Without a price tag on it. Mm -hmm. It'd be nice to have the price tag, but how do I do it unconditionally? Does it make me want to get up and do it? Mm -hmm. Without any With other incentive, other, monetary or otherwise. I think that that's what's calling to us. Because okay. we really don't, when we look in deeply inside, not many of us who have voices today are really suffer. We don't know what suffering is. We don't even go to suffering. We run from suffering. Mm -hmm. And we set up a comfortable um, funds for suffering. A comfortable what? Funds. Mm -hmm. A way of relieving ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like a Uticoff, um, mm -hmm. UNICEF. Uh, right. Thing. All these organizations, which in and of themselves are not bad and they're not, doing good right, work. Right, right. But, but I'm it's just uh, saying we don't go. Yeah, we'd rather like most people would rather donate to a donate, place right. knowing so that that place is doing it, the hard work. Right. right. I either if I don't, yeah, at least I paid something to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard questions being asked. We asked about being on spiritual paths. That's I don't know. It's part of what is what is that path? What does it look like? How does it serve us? How do we serve it? Okay, this feels like a good natural pause. Okay. <laughs> so, I think we're going to wrap it up for the time being. Okay. Yeah, we've covered a lot. So, next time, we'll be diving deeper into the meaning of life. Uh-huh. Maybe we'll even explore the meaning of death. Oh, wow. We're going was, way down yeah, the road of suffering. Right, you know, what right. is suffering? What is death? What is what is fear? Yeah, that's a good yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah. So we've kind of touched upon some general stuff, talked about the, the exciting part, which is finding yourself on the spiritual journey, getting to know yourself. Right. Um, and then next time we'll talk about some of the little bit more difficult stuff. Right. So right. stick right. with us. Thank you. This is Eugenia and Ia Tahira, and we wish you a beautiful afternoon wherever you are from the Caribbean. We'll talk to you next time. Wow.
Thank you.